What's up, everybody? Q&A in the house. Thoughts and Prayers podcast, your number one source for misinformation. Um, I think number one source of disinformation is still the U.S. Department of Defense, but <laughs> we'll claim number one for misinformation. Um, so let's kick it off with our uh, review and or parody or pastiche of the song Dumb by Nirvana for legal reasons. Um, you know, what can I say? I just uh, have a special place in my heart for any song that just celebrates being low IQ. And I think this song really brings it home. Thoughts, Q? Um, agreed. I have loved and continue to love this song always. <laughs> All right. Now that we got that out of the way. Um, um, we also wait at the top, but let's do this at the top. We also want to mention that we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thoughts and prayers and spelled a N D. Um, we are going to be putting starting this month, one bonus episode up on the Patreon every month. So, um, if you like what you're hearing and we know some of you are out there listening because we've looked at our analytics, <laughs> um, consider joining our Patreon at the three or $5 level to get, um, some extra content. Yeah. And our analytics also told us according to Spotify, we, um, do not have any non-binary listeners. So, um, uh, if you're well, out we'll there, the audience, yeah. Um, feel free to tune in. All right. We have an internet friend of ours with us today. Um, Twitter famous, my fitness feelings. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for Um, for joining us. Thanks for, thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Um, You want to introduce yourself in any further way? Fitness feelings. Um, I mean, not really, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, uh, a man who needs no introduction, really, probably true for, for most of the people who are listening to this show. Um, I, I can say that, uh, for me, he was one of the people who, who got me, um, on the path to, uh, COVID skepticism and just uh has a lot of interesting um insights and um uh thought you know thoughts um on the the pandemic and how that whole thing played out but um more specifically as it relates to this show um i i used a term that i borrowed from from him and uh, that we'll be talking about on this show so uh, a, a couple weeks back, I talked about how um, I th- we think Lizzo is an op and that my prediction for like the sort of final stage of the Lizzo op is that they're going to send Lizzo to the moon. And um, 
I I use the term moon cells, um, which which I borrowed from my fitness feeling. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what that means? Sure. Well, I, I mean, I've actually used the word moon cell to refer to like both moon landing believers and, and uh, skeptics. But um, yeah, I mean, the way I really mean it, I guess, is, you know, there's a lot of people who... I, there's a lot of people who believe in the moon landing, I think, very strongly, like particularly on the right. Um, they're, they're much more inclined to believe that story than they are a lot of other kind of big 20th century narratives they may be skeptical of. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's kind of a funny way to, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just like a funny turn of phrase, honestly. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, that's going to be the, uh, the topic of our show today is, uh, is this particular event or uh, I guess a series of events in theory, um, which is, I guess, human, um, physical contact with the surface of the moon, um, as presented in the media and history (laughs) yes but we have some topics to begin with before we get to that main one so do you want to do you want to start us off a oh yeah i forgot we were doing that (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah okay so you know you hear a lot these days about like bullshit jobs you know like um email kind of jobs where you're just uh, you know like sort of like a, the modern day like paper pusher but you're not even like actually pushing paper um and so like that is like my job is like the pinnacle of that um where i don't know if it can really be said that i have any like real function in the economy and yet my job exists and i have some work to do you know is it 40 hours a week. I don't know. Um, and so like what ends up basically being my job or like taking up a lot of my job hours are these like mandatory trainings. Yes. I have a lot of them I go to as well. Yeah. Really interesting. Cause like you, at least you have like sort of a more real job than I do. Um, but yeah, so like my job is like pretty much only this, but and it 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 varies, you know, I guess between different kinds of jobs. So I think it's a pretty common thing, especially for the kind of email class. But um I recently spent I I've it's been like multiple days on this thing for me. And I'm still not done with it. And it's one of those things where like you have to just stare at it on the screen because if you like open a different internet tab or like go to some other thing, it just stops. So like you can't even like have it going in the background. You have to just like stare at this like pointless like monologue um, on a variety of topics, but primarily it's all like about diversity and inclusion sort of like mixed in there with sexual harassment and like workplace misconduct. And it's like extremely like libtarded in a variety of ways. But like, I remember this, this was actually not even this most recent one that I was doing. This was from last year, I think. But, um, 
it was like a sexual harassment training where like all and it was like these little animations of scenarios in the workplace and you're supposed to like choose like how should bob respond or whatever and it's always just like reported to hr but in any case in these high sexual harassment hypotheticals they were like lib style like flipping the script and so it was like all the sexual harassers were like women like harassing men yeah the ones that i've had to sit through are very similar like they don't um <laughs> they don't do like the tip like what typically happens they really want to make a point of making it like yeah like making it uh like anyone can be a sexual harasser and anyone can be sexually harassed which i guess is like you know true on some like basic level but obviously not the norm you know right and it seems like it's almost intentionally trying to be like being like making some kind of like feminist statement or something like women can like abuse people too or something but then it's almost like a reverse feminism thing because like I don't, it doesn't seem like in most cases that that's really like what's happening. I don't know. Right. Sexual harassment laws are put into place largely to protect women from like what used to be kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, like what used to be like a pretty rampant, <laughs> like, situ you know, like situation of like kind of endless sexual harassment, which I do think was like the case for women when they first entered the workforce, like the whole like, you know, uh, <laughs> give me a coffee toots or whatever, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I mean, I've had to sit through them too. The thing that's most annoying about them, and I don't know if you've had to do a fitness feelings ever, but it's like you can't fast forward through them. And the answers are like extremely common sense, right? It's like, you know, Sally, Sally uh, likes Jerry's shirt. Should she say, A, nice shirt, Jerry. B, your pecs look great in that shirt, Jerry. <laughs> or C, can I rip your shirt off and like suck your nipples? It's just like, it's like the, the questions you have to answer are like, so like, you know what I mean? Like just really obvious uh <laughs> and I think that it, I don't know, it speaks to a larger thing that A and I have been talking about, about how you can't just like train people out of avoiding all awkward interactions at all times, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah, like using bureaucratic management to just like prevent any chance of someone like making someone uncomfortable. Um, right. It's interesting because I often wonder the extent to which the trainings are even intended to have any kind of real effect versus it, just like forcing everyone to go through this uh, kind of punitive, like humiliating ritual process. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it does, it does honestly seem that way. And especially because like, the only time I've encountered anything like this type of scenario in the workplace is in the training itself. Like I've never been, I've never been present for some kind of like hostile, like racial incident or like, 
I, I don't know, like, I think most people kind of get, like, understand how to socialize in a not, like, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I very much agree. I mean, it's yeah. like, I'm sure that those things happen or like have happens you know at some point but yeah are they very common i mean no certainly far less common i would think than the diversity trainings themselves which seem to <laughs> sort of endlessly you know proliferate basically right. and it almost just makes you everyone feel like more like aware of the potential for these like um uncomfortable situations that kind of brings it to the forefront of your mind in a way and makes everyone just slightly more like tense and uncomfortable. Right. Right. I mean, the thing is if they, if they, uh, if they were actually effective, they would end the need for the trainings. Right. (laughs) So there is actually, as is, you know, you find this dynamic so often, but the reality is that the trainings would defeat themselves if they ever succeeded. And so I'm sure that, the optimum situation is to never succeed, but to just maintain this infinite sort of like unsatisfactory status quo that justifies this HR bureaucracy. So what do you think like the actual purpose of it is? I think it's like purely in my opinion, um, like, you know, just legal covering, right? Because, you know, workplaces don't want to get sued in any way, shape, or form. So I feel like it's just an incredibly perfunctory uh, method of being like, you know, this isn't on us. And because the truth is, is that, like, people who are going to, like, you know, uh, I guess, like, violate boundaries are going to do that regardless of these trainings, (laughs) you know? And the people who aren't going to do that aren't going to do that. So that's all I see it as. Yeah, I I do agree with that. I think that, you know, there's a very... There's a very procedural element. I was talking about this on um, uh, Rare Candy, like, I don't know, like a week or so ago. But this is like a sort of like a Illichian observation, you could say, that basically, if you think about almost everything that sort of libtards or like the contemporary liberal left really believes in, it's very procedural. It's very process-based, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, if we do X procedure, that that will solve the problem, right? And then, then it's like when it inevitably doesn't solve the problem, the blame <laughs> is then shifted onto people who object to the procedure itself. So whether it's masking or like pronouns or wh- whatever the case may be, it's like, well, we did the trainings, like then that sort of like takes all the responsibility off the institution and just places it onto everybody else, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's like a big, I think that's a big element of it. I mean, it serves just this like, it's just very in line with their whole way of thinking, I think generally. Yeah. And I think to me, it also just like the fact that it's, it's literally just, I mean, I'm, I know I've said this already like probably five times, but like, it's just become so much of what I do in my job, like so many hours. And it just seems like on some level, it must just be sort of to fill the void 
for all of like the meaningless work or really like the absence of meaningless work that most like desk job tier people like do. For sure. uh, um, and indoctrination, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I think it's also just to like keep, you know, this kind of narrative going of like the like ever expanding definition of like, violence and like assault and things like that you know mm -hmm. because now it's like microaggressions are like a form of violence right or like right you know they use these really vague terms in these trainings like an unwanted sexual advance or whatever right and it's like you know those are all microaggressions and unwanted sexual advance are like really vague terminology that like could mean like so many different things, but I feel like there's just kind of this like ever expanding definition of these things in order to like get rid of people who, whatever they just don't like, or, I mean, it like, it's like the whole thing, like with any like celebrity too, or like, you know, uh, yeah. well, and, and this, so like what it's, it's moved beyond like, you know, punching someone is violence. Then it went to like words are violence or can be, you know, like a microaggression. And then it's even a step further where like they say silence is violence. And actually like this last training that I, that I've been doing, it is like basically taking the silence and violence position because it's basically instructing you to like, um, not only not like make some weird racial or sexual comment, but if you see other people doing it, you're supposed to like call them out. So if you don't call them out, then you're like, you know, condoning the hostile work environment or whatever. Um, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely believe that. I just, yeah, it's interesting. Um, anything else we want to say about like uh, any uh, workplace trainings? I got it off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I guess what I was going to bring to the table is I just, and we don't have to talk about it for very long, but I think there's about to be like um, what I would call like a proliferation of like a million think pieces about this movie about Marilyn Monroe that's coming out called Blonde. Um, and I went to see it last week in theaters. Not many people are doing that because it is coming out on Netflix and it had like a super limited release, but I was really curious about it because I don't know, like Joyce Carol Oates who wrote the novel called it like a, you know, like a feminist masterpiece, but she's kind of been relegated to like the like bad white feminist sphere of the internet, if that makes sense. Like kind of like a Margaret Atwood figure. Um, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I just was curious what I would see. Um, and it's a pretty shocking film. Then it's, it's shocking that she would call it feminist. I think, hmm. uh, a few highlights of what's included in it are there's two abortions, including one abortion where the fetus talks and begs Marilyn Monroe not to abort the fetus. Um, there's also both abortions are filmed from within the vaginal canal, seemingly. 
like you're like inside of Marilyn's vagina watching forceps enter <laughs> the oh. vagina. Like you are the fetus, essentially. You are the fetus, right? <laughs> and there's um and there's a, you know, um uh there's like a um I guess there's a rape. I guess I would call it, I don't know what to call it. There's a sexual assault scene, but with JFK and her, um, like they actually, it's not like an actor that's implied it's JFK. <laughs> like it's actually, <laughs> it's actually JFK. And as he's forcing her to give this blow job where you oh. see the, the pe- like his penis going in and out of her mouth, you watch like, and this kind of ties into our next topic because you watch <laughs> like a rocket launch into space on the screen. <laughs> and this is what she's watching while this like forced blowjob is happening. Um, and she's essentially nude, like the entire film and Armas, like full frontal nudity, like, and I guess like partial internal nudity as well. <laughs> I'm assuming it's not actually her vagina. They put the camera in, but um i guess my point about this is just like i don't it just seems like it's uh i can't decide if it's like if i think it's good or bad i think it's interesting art but it also seems like created to be like a complete provocation does that make sense like it just seems like it's it's been designed to like launch like a million twitter responses and I just find that, that interesting that that's like kind of what's happening with a lot of art now. It's like everything is like, you know, meant to like go viral, if that makes sense. And I don't know if you guys have seen other pieces that seem like that, but that's what this seems like to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, I think pretty, that's almost the standard of of art at this point. It's just like how much sort of viral outrage can it generate right and it's it's going to create like a lot of viral outrage (laughs) um i think from like all sorts of sides and it's it's kind of like you know in our last episode we talked about like martha's vineyard it just seems like in the way that like news stories are designed to like make everyone angry it like increasingly seems like films and like I guess no one really reads, unfortunately, <laughs> but it seems like films and TV shows and stuff are like designed to make everyone angry too, you know? Yeah. Like- well, like I think a great example of this that I always think of is like the, the Dave Chappelle special, or really it's been like probably his last two or three specials where like the whole, the only reason I heard of it that it was being released is because of like how transphobic it was or whatever and so to me it seemed like that was almost like the marketing strategy behind it was just to like get people outraged that it was transphobic and then that would sort of like market it it, you know automatically (laughs) um yeah no i mean of course that's um yeah, of course, that's uh, that's exactly what, I mean, they want, you know what I mean? They want it to be, uh, but I guess I'm just curious, like, I guess, like, watching it, I was just like, where is, like, feminist art going to go now? Because, um, you know, like, we've talked about how The Handmaid's Tale is basically, like, <laughs> oh, an erotic yeah. fantasy, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's like these women think, like, the women who, like, love The Handmaid's Tale TV show are, like, 
rich, powerful men are going to like ritualistically rape me and like force me to have their children, you know, right. which is like, seems like it could be like a porno or something, you know? And it's like, usually the people who like this show are like older, like childless women who like, I don't know. It just seems like it's, <laughs> it seems like it, it's existing really in the realm of fantasy and like, I don't know if like what this, like who this Marilyn Monroe torture movie is for, if that makes any sense. <laughs> like, is it for the same demographic as The Handmaid's Tale? I can't imagine men really wanting to watch it or enjoying it very much, you know? <laughs> so I just, I would, it's just like, I don't know. It's like in this broader realm of like feminist TV and film, I'm like wondering like where it fits in and like what the point of these shows really are. It's like, you're oppressed white woman. You should feel oppressed, but also we're going to offer you this like titillating, like underbelly of like, you know, comes some sort of like shadow desire, like shadow person, you know, that they can't, I don't know. <laughs> they can't access, I guess, in their regular day-to-day -day lives. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not like, very Handmaid's Tale's on, like, season seven. Mm hmm So I just don't, um... Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Well, and I... I, I feel like and I feel like my fitness feelings has actually talked about this on Twitter, I, I think, about how, like, really there's just hardly any, like, authentic cultural production at this moment. Um it's it's a, just a really strange time like everything is just like avengers 12 and whatever you know it's like there's nothing like or, right or, or they're just like re they're just recycling endlessly through like the same ip that's already been like yes and even if it's not like actually just like the seventh sequel of some franchise it, it's there's no new ideas it's just rehashed in some way from some other thing that was successful before or, you know <laughs> right yeah. i think i mean one thing one dynamic here there's a kind of like uh i think I think maybe it was Marshall McLuhan that talked about that sort of talked about this initially. Um, the idea that as new technological communications medium are introduced and become are mass adopted successfully, they absorb the previous material. And so the previous medium just becomes content within the new medium. So for example, like, how in the 60s there was a lot of uh, more like intellectual television shows like about books for example you have like long form discussions of novels or philosophy or whatever kind of like absorbing the past like you know more literate literary sort of uh, medium of like the printing press kind of Gutenberg era for example or like radio stuff um, and then now I think kind of like what y'all are describing the film and television has just been sucked into basic has sort of been just sucked into this essentially digital communications network that's kind of been created on top of it and now all those things really occur like that's the real context in which they occur you see it 
I'm mean, with a lot of stuff. You know, I felt that way about all the outrage when they re when they did Sex in the City, like they rebooted it or something. I mean, I didn't actually watch this, but I just saw <laughs> these clips that were seemed like clips that were just made to kind of go viral. It was made to be like viral content. Mm-hmm. Right. Or even yeah, like po- I mean, political speeches and stuff are all like that. It's just like some or Fauci, you know, talking like send us respectfully like you do not know what you're talking about or whatever you know just like some statement that is clearly like he's they're imagining it just playing on twitter and whatever endlessly yeah and like you know um it's like the it's like how pete Buttigieg is constantly like they're like he oh he owned that like whatever that yeah. right wing person, but he never really like says anything. Right, you know? they're just like telling you how to feel about what happened. Yeah, yeah. Like in the last episode, we talked about how he was like these people never offer solutions and like said this whole thing, but then like himself did not offer a solution. You know? Yeah, and that gets spun as Pete Buttigieg owning. DeSantis, you know. <laughs> anyway, that's all we have to say about it. It's just like an observation about the culture. Like it does seem like they're making more and more extreme like content and people are kind of like into darker and darker things. <laughs> and I feel like it's following sort of like the porn. <laughs> like we were talking about how like, you know, porn is getting crazier and crazier and like yeah. what people like want sexually is getting crazier and crazier. The sexual arms race. Yeah. The sexual arms race, how it's like, and it's just, it all kind of seems part of the same thing. It's like, you know, it's just like the, it's like the attention It's just trying to grab people's attention. And then I don't know the last thing I'll say, and then this will actually transition us really well as the <laughs> next topic is like one of the theories of Fermi's paradox of like why we haven't found aliens yet is that like intelligent species are like, uh, they're like sort of inclined to like look ever inward into like, and like kind of like move into like virtual type spaces or something um, and sometimes I feel like that's like what's like happening with like the metaverse and <laughs> the continued attempt to like get us to kind of just like look at these screens, you know? Yes. Maybe Black in a couple of years, you'll be able to uh, experience Marilyn Monroe's abortion as if it were happening to you. <laughs> That'll be a ride at Disney World. Yeah. All right. Uh, fitness feelings. Do you want to give us your, so I'm going to, I'm going to be honest about where I'm coming from on the moon topic. I, I feel like I'm someone who has never looked into the conspiracy theories very much at all. I've always thought it was weird that like we went to the moon a few times in the sixties and then like never went back and never, and like, you know, it, it seems constantly hard to go back Um, And I've never understood how they could possibly get people to the moon before we had things like, I don't know, cell phones and like (laughs) electric cars and things that seem so much easier to do. So that's kind of where I'm at. Where are you at, A? Yeah, I mean, um, I've looked into it a little bit but I'm definitely no expert on the matter, but similar to you just kind of um, after going through the whole COVID op and um, 
kind of waking up to how things really work and that a lot of the times this the narratives that we're fed are um i guess you could just say like not entirely accurate or in some cases outright false so a little bit of a skeptical attitude but i guess i don't don't consider myself an expert um but i thought maybe we it might be helpful to run through like what is the kind of official narrative on on the apollo program well um hmm. i mean i think most people are familiar i, I think most people have a Boy, it's really that's a really actually that's actually a really hard question to answer, and we can kind of get yeah. into why. But the, <laughs> the I think what most people have this idea that okay, the '60s, like yay, we went to the moon, we went back a few times, and then basically we haven't been back since, right? We were, we went, we explored, we got, we did what we needed to do there, something like that. We planted the flag and. We left some little mirrors and equipment we bounce lasers off of <laughs> to prove that we're there. And that's it. We've never gone back. And then I think most people, in my opinion, have kind of at some point or another, if they've ever thought about this issue, wondered why we haven't gone back. And usually the answer is something like, I should say now there's this Artemis program, which is like this like femme, like femme <laughs> you know, woke moon landing, they're attempting to do again. We can get into that. So they're, they're, they're allegedly trying to go back. At least but right they now. haven't gone back. No, they're no not gone claiming back. No one's ever gone back. Yeah, yeah. China claimed they sent a rover or something, like an unmanned vehicle or something. But I think the basic thing to understand is that there's various rationalizations for that. Some, some one form of the, like the rationalization is that we just don't need to, there's no point. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, given that we're actually trying to do it again. Um, then there's the rationalization that like, well, we don't have the same national spirit that we had in the 60s and 70s, so we're not able to replicate the feat. There's, there's all kinds of excuses, more or less. Uh, personally, I don't really find any of them to be very gratifying. And I, I would say the moon landing is one thing where you can, you can argue, and I've seen some people argue this, that we did go to the moon, but the story that we were told about that, the official story of the Apollo programs, which you can just look up on Wikipedia or whatever, doesn't, is, is incorrect, and there's some secret esoteric explanation that explains it. Um, because I think the official story, when you really dig into any of the details at all details of the photographs, the whatever, the, the, the general narrative. Um, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So we can kind of start at any point there, but basically that's kind of how I would introduce it. It's like the, they're alleging that we, there was a, a series of missions to the moon that we've never, since the seventies, we've not ever gone back. Basically. Right. And so you have like, basically, I guess a lot of times the story starts with Russia who at the time, you know, was supposed to be like it more advanced than the United States in their space program. Right. And so yes. they, they had launched a satellite, I guess, with Sputnik and maybe some other thing. Did they get an unmanned thing on the moon? Russia was the first people they, Russia was the first or the Soviet Union, I should say, was the yeah, first right. country to, I believe, get 
a manned vehicle into space, like into Earth's orbit. Okay, okay. So that's what they did in like 1959 or something. And uh, so then, you know, people say, well, then we got ourselves into gear and, you know, like made it happen or whatever. I think the the first um, Apollo landing was in 1971 or thereabouts in early in Nixon's administration. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is going to make me sound like I, I did go to public school, so <laughs> maybe I just don't know as much as uh, I should. But I like I, I. So, how many times specifically did we go? Uh, we went a few. I actually can't remember. Truthfully, I don't think it's that important. I think. And I, let me just say this too before we go on. Part of the reason why no one knows that much about this is not an accident. It's because they don't really want anyone to know that much about it or to think too hard about it. Yeah. Because once you start thinking about it, that's when you start to realize <laughs> that this simply just this story can't be true. And so, like, let me just provide, for example, some context. Okay, To reach the surface of the moon from the surface of the Earth, that's about 234,000 miles, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, a, that's just one way, all right? Uh-huh. One way trip. The furthest that any astronaut from any other country has traveled from the surface of the Earth is only 400 miles, okay? So other than yeah. these moon trips, no one else, including the United States, has ever <laughs> gone beyond beyond that, right? And so, and 234,000 sounds like a lot, but it's actually about 622,000 both ways, right? <laughs> On just one tank of this like fuel that they allegedly created, okay? So that alone, I think, should raise eyebrows, right? Why, why is there this vast gap in the distance that virtually every space mission goes and then there's this one set of missions, okay, that go much farther. I think that's that's pretty suggestive. So you might say, right, well, but what about all the evidence, right? Like, what about all the hard evidence that we've been to the moon, right? What about the, the pictures, the moon rocks, moon all this rock. other stuff? And I think where I basically land on this <laughs> is that the problem with the whole moon landing story, counter to what you would hear from every official source and actually counter to most conspiracies, truth be told, <laughs> is that there is actually just no evidence that we went. Like at, when you actually look at it, all there is is just a claim that we've gone. There is the hard evidence in supposedly justifying this does not exist at all. And I can kind of walk through that yeah. um, if y'all have because any I'm questions sure what, about what, it. what people will say is, well, there are moon rocks, right? right? Yep. Um, uh, and, and then there's there's photos, yes, and the video. Correct. Yeah. So the other the other thing I hear kind of constantly around this is that it would take so many people to, uh, like that would have had to have lied that it's like impossible. This is like another thing I hear as like mm. proof it happened, like you know, 4,000 something people would have, would have to have lied. You know what I mean? Yes. So let's, let's walk through each of these claims, right? Just to, just to get a sense of 
like in an organized way, just to get a sense for like this story. Because I think this is a pretty shocking idea that we didn't go to the moon. The implications of it are very big. I can understand why people don't, don't, you know, can't accept something this big could be fake. I mean, I really do understand that. But so let's just start, for example, with the footage. So we've got photos and we've got videos, right? We, we allegedly have live pictures, okay, of the moon. <laughs> right, so it was live it, stream. Correct. So here, for, <laughs> let's, let's just, there is actually all of the footage, all of the original photographs and records and all that stuff, none of that exists anymore, okay? It's all actually, it's all been lost, it doesn't exist. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, they have literally none of it by their own admission. That they The claim is that they misplaced the original recordings of the first moon landing, including, you know, uh, one small step for man, blah, blah, blah. They also allegedly lost all of the technical data, the specifications or whatever of how they did it. So they lost all that too. Essentially, what you're, what you're told is that... All of the footage, okay, and by the way, the footage, which we supposedly was aired live, by their own admission, was never, was not live. What you actually see is the footage of the moon landing you can see now is actually just a film of a TV monitor, which supposedly had the live footage. Which they oh, don't really? Have. Yes. Wow. I, so actually, I didn't know that. Live footage of the moon landing has never been seen by anyone, okay? All you can see is that. And I think... A point made by uh, David McGowan, who has written um, probably the definitive essay on this subject, is that you can basically understand how, what you're looking at when you look at this footage when you realize that what you're really seeing is just a camera filming a TV. And essentially what they did was just slow down a clip right, uh, that they filmed in a studio to make it look all like gravity Right. That's Low really gravity, what you're, yeah. that's what you're witnessing. So, but I mean, anyway, just consider that this, this is like this feat of technological achievement, this supposedly, you know, this amazing, uh, achievement. We defeated the communists. We, you know, proved America's like greatness, exploring space and all this stuff. And they just lost every single thing associated with that. Okay. <laughs> it's all gone. So there's no well, go. Yeah. Yes. The other thing that I was like having being, you know, involved with like music scene and like doing a podcast and all these kind of things where you're like trying to um, basically live stream or set up some kind of live, you know, audio or something. Um, it's it, it always there's some problem and technical glitch that you need to, you know, you need to get there like hours and hours before and like sort it all out and th this is like the idea that they they like li they live streamed video of the landing from the moon to earth and get the president on the phone and all this stuff in 1971 that always seemed interesting to me. yeah it's i mean it would be one thing right if they could explain exactly how they did it but they can't, right? There is actually no explanation. And so what you're left with is just their good word, right? And we all know, I think at this point, what that's worth, which is basically nothing. So it's just a, you know, it's just a claim, right? I mean, they can claim that, but there really is not any proof that they did. Um, you know, they have the photographs, 
right? Yeah. I've actually, I, it, my computer's running a bit slow, but I've attempted to send you some of these pictures <laughs> um, so you can get a look at them yourself. But I would say, and I, you know, I do photography myself and I've done my own um, shot and not, and uh, not developed, but like toned and printed uh, color film, which is allegedly what these uh, pictures were all shot on. And like, just to give you a sense of this, right? So you're on the moon, you're like hundreds of thousands of miles away from Earth. I mean, how the radiation and the distance and the, if you think about like, for example, just the temperature differential, right? It's like, it's something like in, uh, like in the shade versus the sun on the moon, allegedly, I don't know, it's something like might like a difference of like minus 180 to like 200 degrees. Okay. So you're dealing with like basically the most extreme temperature variations like man has ever been exposed to. And allegedly they're shooting these pictures with essentially, you know, film medium format film cameras. I think they were Hasselblads from that era. Okay. And like these people are shooting film, right. In these suits, so, so they, and they're, they're, this you can see they're strapped to the the cameras are strapped to the chests of the astronauts, like to so, the outside, yeah. So yeah, so, so they can't look through the viewfinder, okay? They can't do me take a meter reading, so they can't like look check the exposure of what they're shooting, and they can't check focus either. And basically, when you look at the contact sheets that NASA supplies, there are really no misses. There's just blank, just black panels, and then like these perfectly exposed and composed <laughs> shots. And anyone that's yeah. basically done any photography can, can just tell you that's it's impossible, right? It's, there's no way that those people could have shot those pictures. And then if you look at the pictures that I sent you, you can just see – if you just look at what they're alleging these craft is, it's just obviously something that was a set. I mean, it's not even like people who are, who believe that these vehicles traveled, you know, 600,000 miles plus through the vacuum of space. I mean, it's absurd. Yeah, it, literally it, looks, it, it looks like I could, I mean, just looking at them now. And again, I've never really looked closely. Like it truly looks like I could punch through yes. like this like, this, like tinfoil like with my with my hand yeah uh, totally you know I mean? totally yeah like paper mache on like the it outside. seems like i could tear it apart like just uh. a like like a not strong kind of wimpy like guy and i right. think i was re i was reading on the wikipedia page today that like the the craft that that landed on the moon at the time it like came into contact with the moon was alleged to have been going a hundred miles an hour, and yet it just like landed like that exactly upright on its little legs or whatever. Right. I mean, it's it, again like if they could explain it, I, I'd be willing to accept that. But they don't have it. They can't replicate any of this. There's no evidence. Okay. This is. I I will always. So. Yeah. So the, the final thing is this issue of the moon rocks. Okay. So, I mean, again, like, I guess if someone who finds these pictures to be compelling, I don't know what to say to that person, but I would say if you think about what the alleged way in which these pictures were allegedly taken, you know, there's all kinds of radiation in space, like in the Van Allen delts and stuff. So again, anyone that's ever shot film knows that even small amounts of exposure to radiation will destroy it. So like, how did they get the film back? Right. That's not ever really been explained. Uh, 
to my like satisfaction. Putting it, through the, putting it through the x-ray at the airport is supposed exactly. to Exactly, and that's not much it, radiation, yeah. Yeah. right? <laughs> like at all. So we've got all that. We've got all that. And you can say, well, what about the moon rocks? I mean, certainly, you know, that's proof, right? Well, okay, again, in fact, the vast majority of the moon rocks are, have been lost. So there's no way to even check them. So we gave them away to people and stuff. And allegedly now that we can't find them and they're all gone. So like most of them have been lost. Some of them are still around, but they're basically like, you know, well, they're not something you can, you can, uh, we can examine. Although some of them have been examined. Like there was one moon rock that the Dutch national museum had been safeguarding and they discovered in 2009 that it was actually a piece of petrified wood. So we literally, the State Department gave them this wood and said that it was a, a moon rock, okay? And I think there probably are some real moon rocks, but, you know, most people are not aware that there are, you can get materials like that from Antarctica, where a lot of meteoroids and, like, space debris land mm. on Earth. And actually, Werner von Braun and his team, Werner von Braun is the scientist that was, he was, um, a rockets like a rocket scientist for uh, Nazi Germany and for Germany mm-hmm. who then switched over to the United States after World War II and worked on the Apollo program his team went to Antarctica right before the, the launch of these craft okay which is the only place where you can get these space fragments on earth so the presence of some sort of like space rocks does not it's is not absolute proof that we left the earth and collected them like those actually can be found on earth so with the moon rocks, you have a situation where it's like they can be acquired on Earth. The team that did the moon landing went to the only place that can be acquired prior to this moon event. And many of them have been lost. Some have been tested and found to be fakes, right? <laughs> so that's not really proof either. So what, what we're left with is there really there's just really no evidence that it occurred. The photos are not real. The video is not original. The moon rocks don't prove anything. So what do we really have? Right. We just have a okay, bunch so of what about, just, to, just to play devil's advocate. Like what about this claim? Cause I, I'm actually, it's funny because I just Googled Apollo mission pictures. It's shocking how few there are actually. There's not many. Um, no. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm looking through like already just like line four of Google. It's like, it's like, uh, uh, cartoon drawings. You know what I mean? Like, so there's, it doesn't seem like there's that many pictures even to begin with. Um, but what about this claim that like 400,000 people would have had to have been in on this conspiracy? And like, that's just like too big of a group of people to possibly, you know, I'm just, I'm just pushing back Oh no no! I I welcome it. Okay, I I, I welcome it. So let's <laughs> let's let's if we think through this idea. So first of all, the claim, the central claim there, I've heard this so many times, is that it's basically what it comes down to, which is a common yeah, talking point that actually originates. This talking point originates with the CIA handling of the JFK assassination. The idea that. You can't keep anything secret at the high levels of government because too many people are involved and inevitably things get out, right? That's always the claim. And the, the, the CIA, and this is documented, we have their declassified memo from post-JFK assassination when no one really believed their explanation. The CIA sent this memo to their station chiefs and told their, 
basically instructing them to tell their media assets to push this story that it's impossible to keep anything a secret because too many people never be find out. So first, let's just consider where this talking point comes from. It comes from a U.S. intelligence agency, right? Second, let's consider that the what this claim, the what the claim, the claim being made here is that it's impossible to keep a secret. In other words, it's impossible to keep something absolutely hidden because there's so many people that could talk. But like, I'm actually not claiming that it is a secret, right? Like, I'm actually saying the opposite of that, that it's not a secret. Somehow, we have found out that it's fake, <laughs> right? I mean, pe there are whistleblowers, people talk. I mean, can you name every one of those 4,000 people? Are you to be sure that none of them ever said anything in private that then kind of leaked out or that someone said something and they weren't like killed or silenced after the fact? Like, no, we have no idea about that. Right. Um, well, it's also possible. I mean, like the other thing, like I'm sure people say like as a rebuttal to that is that like, it's possible there was a much smaller group that like was really aware of what was going on and like a much larger group that, you know, right. May have been involved, but that's what a lot of things they do with even like intelligence um, operations. Well, there is stuff. a lot of, there actually is a lot of deaths of NASA personnel now that i'm reading this list yeah i'm sure i'm sure so that's the other thing is like people know there's there's consequences for for yes. speaking out consequences and also compartmentalization yeah like a big yeah. technique here is that what which they which they used for example like in the manhattan project which was a huge project that was successfully kept absolutely secret right until we dropped the bomb the atomic bombs on japan is that they essentially, there's a very small group at the top who understands how it all fits together. And then all the, the mass of subgroups below only understand a little, little single component of what's going on. So no one is able to really piece together either what the whole is or that none of the pieces actually add up to anything real, right? Like you just work on your one little thing. That was actually the way that Theranos was structured, which is why no one for like 10 years, this company of hundreds of people, I believe, was all working together on something that was completely fake and didn't work. And basically, you know, until that one guy said something, no one had any idea, you know, that's much longer than most of those moon projects. Right. Um, right. So there's, there's that aspect of it, which I think is. Right. And like you said, the Manhattan project is another example of basically like where yes. they did pull off this significant project in secret. Correct. <laughs> and it's also just yeah. like, again, I, I feel the need to insist that, this the reason why that is such good propaganda is one because it's the kind of thing people want to believe right and then two because it's it's it relies on this um assertion of something that can never be falsified like if they are able to keep things absolutely secret there is no way to check that right, right? <laughs> so it, it, it can never be refuted on those grounds right like they're just essentially what they're saying is you know everything that we're doing, which really asks the question is like, why do we have secret intelligence agencies at all then? Again, right. that, that's never addressed. So <laughs> I personally don't find this idea that, well, there's just this many people were involved. You know, I think that's, therefore it must be true. Um, I mean, I think you could just look at the photos and see that they're lying, right? And then if you think <laughs> through the claim, it's like, okay, that actually doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That, in my opinion. Um, yeah.
Yeah, well, and it's a good point too about the propaganda aspect of it being, it's a it's a comforting thought, which I think is why it resonates. That like, oh well, if the government was doing something really bad, like we would we would have to know about that because someone would talk or you know whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And then so. Okay. Uh, I'll bring up two more points of evidence just to consider. So one photo that I shared was a picture of this kind of like a, a buggy, like a, a rover of some kind. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? So something that basically this, they introduced this element later in the moon missions, right? And then, <laughs> you know, people have hypothesized that they did this because people were getting bored with them going back and just like, well, there's not that much for them to do up like there. Standing so around. They, yeah. So they, right jumping like you know <laughs> um so they introduced this thing that they like drove around in so let's just like consider that first of all what purpose that possibly could have served why they would need this to drive around remains a mystery to me but consider that people raise the objection like how did they get this giant buggy into that vehicle like that craft, like how does it even fit in there? And the official explanation, this is not my conjecture, this is what NASA actually says, is that that thing there, that that rover, folds up into a suitcase, okay? That's, that's their explanation. So apparently this like amazing technology where you can essentially take like a car, like a kind of a go-kart and fold it up into something that you is literally the size of a briefcase. Well, that's just like, not even a go-kart, but basically like an ATV sort right. of thing. Yeah. But, no yeah. one ever capitalized on that. You know, even <laughs> first of all, you can look at it. It's not clear at all how that could even happen. Right. You know, how they deflate the tires and reinflate them. And I mean, there's so many questions there, but, uh, it's like, where's that technology? You know, where's, why don't they have parking lots? You should still fold up your car into like a, you know, inside, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, wait, so, oh my God. So I love that they like introduced this to like spice things up after they were, um, getting, losing interest in the, just people like skipping around. But, um, this oh my god i literally just completely lost my train of thought well i'll say i'll say this on that point which is that you might wonder like okay so they did we did one moon mission to defeat the soviets right and to sort of you know uh cock right their their space achievements which i have to be honest with you i suspect were probably fake too but maybe they were real uh so you have to ask like why did they keep going back Right. Like what was the motivation there? And this is where McGowan, um, David McGowan, his thesis, which I think is very good, is basically he was able to relate all of the moon missions essentially to the release of various news about the Vietnam War that was, you know, very unpopular at the time. Um... Right. They were dealing with this really like a crisis of public opinion about the war. Like it was, it was very controversial from the very beginning and it continued to be so as the war progressed. And there, so basically there was various like essentially military problems, revelations about the Phoenix program, which is the CIA, the torture terrorism kind of side war program that actually was modeled on the Soviet, on Soviet, similar Soviet programs we were using in Vietnam that was, 
very controversial. And essentially, every time one of these things was hitting the news, they would just do a moon landing to sort of like cover it up, right? To, to, to push it off the front page. It's sort of a, just a form of like PR management, effectively. And at, at the time... Polling and you still shows- get stuff like that with like whenever something shady's happening, they like kill Osama bin Laden or something. Right, or right. Or Kim Kardashian like does something crazy. You know, yeah. Kanye goes on like an unhinged like rant and stuff something and he captivates everyone <laughs> for 48 hours and then everyone forgets. It's uh-huh. so his allegation is that, that that was basically the motive to keep doing it. Like they did it once. I say everyone bought it, but that's not really true. I think uh, Gallup polling, or I think it was Rasmussen polling at the time, shows that a lot of people didn't believe it when they saw it. I, I think it's up to oh, a third. Interesting. That, that most tons of people thought like this. This isn't real. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's sitting at like between twenty and forty percent right now. Like right. in like just in oh, like the really current. that really interesting. That's Depending on what poll me. you look at, yeah, yeah, I've been scrolling through polls, but you know, it's it, there's a big range, and I'm sure it depends on how they ask the question. But I don't think yeah. I've ever encountered anyone in real life who who believe that the moon landing is fake. <laughs> I've never talked, but the thing is, is like you never talk what, about it. What fitness so. feelings is saying is like I've never like once talked about it. It doesn't feel like a big like you know Uh thing i i I thought about or learned in school like does that make sense like it just uh, and i i guess i never really thought about how maybe that's by design Mm -hmm. and i you know i work in education now and like i'm not even 100 percent sure they still teach it (laughs) yeah i think like like i've never heard any of like the students like talking about it so i'm just kind of like i don't know you know yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. I I would say in my own personal experience, I tend to find that this event has the most meaning for people who really like believe in science, who are kind of science and engineering types. Despite the fact that they're maybe the best equipped to like understand why, in some sense, this is like very improbable. That it grounds their belief in the sort of religion of, of scientific progress, right? Those types of people are the ones I, I find who are the most into it. And I think that there is a little bit we're experiencing a little that idea of like infinite scientific achievement. There's been a decline, I think, in that idea, certainly. So it wouldn't maybe shock me if the moon landing kind of narrative has declined alongside it. Yeah. Yeah. I know like definitely in the 50s and 60s, there was this idea of like technological utopianism and that we would get to a certain point where like robots could do everything for us and everyone would just be like going to the beach and playing like leisure sports and stuff like that um, as a result of technological advancement. And, you know, I don't, that idea seems to have completely fallen off by this point. Oh, I mean, things are, I mean, my partner and I were talking about this yesterday, like people are working more than ever, Yeah, you know, like, and it takes more money than ever to like sustain even just, you know, having one kid, let alone several. (laughs) So, you know, it's just like things have, yeah, I mean, somehow technology has not made people able to work less really at all, Uh you know? 
when so it's kind of interesting to think about the moon landing as sort of um propaganda for that narrative as well i mean you would think just i'm just speaking like logically here like if that if they could really do that in the 60s like 50 years later we'd have some sort of like moon base or something right i mean that was 50 years ago yeah it's a long time yeah, they hardly had computers or anything back then. I mean, so much has changed and advanced and more powerful rockets, I'm sure. Like everything, there's no, it seems like it should be like oh, a lot easier. Okay, that was another thing that I, a question that I want, was curious about. So like, what is the actual purpose of NASA then? I like, what are they doing? Yeah, it's not totally clear. I, I think some I, possibilities could be, that it's i do think that there are real efforts to militarize space in various ways i my guess would be that's what nasa is that that money is either just being laundered into various dark projects or it exists just to just kind of cover up basically like space weapons programs that they don't want anyone to know about mhm and yeah, because like it even seems like even if you believe, even if you do believe that NASA went to the moon or whatever, like it's an interesting question then to think about like what what are they doing now? Like they haven't gone back to the moon, so they can't be working on that. Like what are they doing? All these people, hundreds of thousands of people, like what are they yeah, doing? I mean, they're rovers. They have all kinds of stupid <laughs> crap that they don't say that they're doing. But I mean, the truth is none of it is really very credible. If you really look at it, it's like the photos don't really look that real or they send yeah. an unmanned thing to Mars and just like a little video. And again, it's like, you know, well, a-, a and I talk about that all the time. How fake the space. The pictures photos love. are so funny, dude. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's just, you know, it's something that like, for children, for children, like the children, believe. You know, it's not. And really like sp- they send up this space telescope, and all they can send back is this like one, like photo of the ga- ga- the Spencer's gifts photo, as Q calls it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, yeah. Be- amazing. Wow. Science. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's like what? I mean, it's something that someone probably <laughs> made in a graphic design. Program. Like in Photoshop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I believe, like, I mean, one thing that does seem believable and kind of obvious to me is that there is, like, satellites and shit in space, you know? Like, I don't think that there's never, <laughs> like, like nothing has ever gone up there, you know? And now we have, like, private citizens who are, like, flying up there as well. I think so, that, yeah. I mean, so I that seems... That. So that seems like a believable reality that, like, you know, I it's just... Yeah, the extent of it and what exactly is going on is like hard is hard to tell. It'll be interesting to see. Like, I mean, not that like Bezos and Musk aren't like incapable of conspiracies themselves, but it'll be interesting to see as like just people who got really rich kind of like enter that space. You know, yeah. well, that's another yeah. thing that's so shady about it. Like the idea of space tourism, like Amazon and uh, Elon Musk getting into this shit. Yeah. It's very shady. I mean, it's just, again, it's like, 
really like that's what you're proposing as a business like people really believe that <laughs> spacex is a space tourism company it doesn't make any sense like that just does not make sense there, there is so you can what like shoot people up into the atmosphere and just like shoot them back down you're going to build an entire business on that like think about the capital investment you have to have up front to send like a few billionaires it, that's it's crazy to me that anyone that people are willing to accept that's what that is. Part of the whole... Well, people people are doing weird shit, though. I mean, like, I was reading the other day that, like, now you can pay $250,000 to be taken per ticket to be taken down to the Titanic for, like, six hours. But would you invest billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars? I'm sure... I'm sure to go to the Titanic, it does not cost as much as it does to get someone into space. No, you know? no. And I think that a lot of like this stuff with SpaceX, like I think it's probably real. Like you can pay that money to do it. But I think that's just kind of a sideshow and like what Elon Musk is really doing. For example, SpaceX has huge contracts with the US military, the Defense Department, to work on stuff about like transporting weapons through the atmosphere rapidly. Like that's what SpaceX in my mind, that's what it is. And the other stuff is just a way to kind of cover that up and to kind of, you know, America is a country that's founded on the idea of having a frontier, right? This is um, an observation that Carl Ogilvy made in his discussion of the Vietnam War and the assassination of JFK is that the Vietnam War kind of represented the end of the frontier, Right. Like Vietnam was in the minds of people who supported that war, this outlet for American expansionism and military aggression into Asia. And what those people wanted was a kind of sort of infinite military adventure in on that continent, because, you know, for the re- basically you look at U.S. history, we expand all the way across, colonize the entire continent, you know, essentially fighting people all the way. We then go and do some stuff, you know, in other places, the Philippines and so forth. Then you've got two world wars, and then you essentially have, you know, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and the space program. And I think a lot of what the space program does in the minds of the sort of American population is it creates this idea that there is still a frontier, right? That there is still this empty domain, you know, uh, that we can kind of explore and, and conquer and so forth. And that's a lot of what the moon landing stuff represents and, and speaks to that desire. But I think, unfortunately, it's somewhat illusory. Hmm. Mm. Well, I mean, you convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was never really a big believer. Like I said, I'd never thought much about it. Yeah, well, it's interesting that your, your point to that people at the time thought it was fake, which is something, I mean, I, I, I don't know that. I've never, I, I should ask my parents about it, but like, I, I guess what I was going to say is you also hear that about JFK, that like a lot of people thought it was like the government or some, at least some kind of the, the official narrative was a lie. And, um, and somehow that has been, you know, presented as though everyone accepts the uh, official narrative 15 yes. years after the fact or whatever. Yes. I mean, I appreciate that, Hugh, that I was able to convince you to make a dent or whatever. I would just say that, like, I genuinely, I don't believe that is a great credit to me. I believe it is more a function of just 
how fake the pictures look. Honestly, like I really do believe that. Like it's when most people get once once you can kind of accept maybe they would lie to me, and you see those photos, it's just kind of like okay, this can't possibly be. What? Well, I, I mean, I probably had not looked at them since I was 12. So yeah. I like really, I really didn't even know what they like looked like. Well, uh, and I think most people don't approach it with actually thinking about like the feasibility of, of actually accomplishing that. Like you said, like there, you, they, the, the cameras were like attached to their, their chest. Basically they couldn't look through the viewfinder. They couldn't adjust the focus. They couldn't adjust the exposure. They, couldn't even see the frame of of the shot right yep that's right so and yet somehow they produce basically some of the most like flawless and iconic photos of the 20th century right and they're not photographers like these are astronauts like they were spending most of their time in like intense training i mean allegedly for the technical and like aeronautic (laughs) aspects of this mission they weren't like they didn't spend like 10 years in photography school you know (laughs) And I think most people just don't think about that. They're just more, it's more um, the emotional experience of just like seeing the photos and like, whoa, space. And like, that's what a spaceship looks like or whatever, you know? Totally. Um, I mean, I think that like the valorization though of like NASA and like the space program and stuff has like really died off because I mean, people like... I'm assuming roughly based on what I know about our possible ages that, you know, people like boomer parents were like, maybe, maybe into it, maybe not, but I don't think people who are more millennial Gen Xers really cared about it. And they're certainly not passing that on to their kids, you know? Sure. Yeah. But I don't know. I, like, <laughs> I think I, I've never tried this, but I feel like if you drop like casually drop, like, Oh yeah, the moon landing is fake people are going to think you're insane. And I I have had these conversations about JFK and some other um, issues and people, I mean, the people respond as though like, I don't know. I mean, well, it's interesting. Like I recently had a conversation with a friend where I was like, I forget what she was saying. Oh, she was, she was complaining about America and how she wanted to move, blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, yeah, like, uh, and this is a friend who before has gotten mad at me for like making the argument that like America has done more harm globally than like any country in like the history of time. Like I've made that argument to her before and she's gotten really angry with me. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's interesting you say that because like the last time we spoke about this, like I said that I thought America has done more harm globally than like any history, like presently on earth at least. And you like got really angry at that fact. And she was like, yeah, but, like, I lived in China for all this time, and, like, you know, the Chinese will, like, kill their citizens. And I was like, you don't think America will kill their own citizens? And she was like, well, give me some examples. And, like, I was able off the top of my head to, like, I sent her, like, I don't know, like, 19 examples, right? (laughs) And, like, one of the, like, not even, like, hard-to-find ones, you know? Just, like, like, literally, like, really obvious examples. And one of the 19 was like Ruby Ridge and like, that's what she focused on, (laughs) you know? And she was like, I don't, she's like, Oh, so you're just, you want to, you want to just like, uh, 
you know, you want to be in with people like that. And I'm like, why did you pick that one of like the 19? Like, why didn't you pick Fred Hampton or like, right. you know, like the government will kill people. Like, I don't understand why that's hard to even wrap your mind around, you know? No, I mean, a sitting U.S. president. <laughs> yes. But that's, I mean, you don't even have to go into conspiracy land to find right. example, to find ex- insane examples of like the government killing its own citizens when they do something they don't like, you know? Right. Well, no, even, you can... even like go. George Floyd. I mean, what's that? It's not an example of that. I mean, I don't, there's a lot, I don't really buy that whole thing, but I think if you're, I think the liberal left position, it's kind of hard to, they seem to occupy a weird contradiction where on the one hand, it's like you have to be very subservient to all of these institutions and kind of, yeah, they're good and we need to support them over like the evil neo-Nazis or whatever. On the other hand, it's like defund the police and like the police are murdering people. I mean, they, they concede huge amounts of the, essentially ground in kind of, a, at least they seem to admit that it's a repressive and violent institution like the, the country is founded on like, the genocide of indigenous peoples we need to have like land acknowledgments to apologize for that so i'm not even sure how they could argue that well know. that's what i st- that's what i started with i was like i mean european colonization like let's just start there like european colonization of the americas killed between 50 and 70 million like native americans you know so like i don't know like that's like the that's that's number one. Yeah, <laughs> you know and, and libs like, love to talk about that too. Like and they love genocide, to talk about that. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> they they love to like they love to talk about that and they love to talk about that as like in this way that doesn't even take into consideration like this is like really like bad to say in lib circles, but like doesn't even take into consideration that like there was, you know, war and conquest for like all of like human human time you know mm-hmm. um so they like to talk about it in this very like detached way but it's like interesting because they'll you know they'll talk about it yeah they'll talk about it and then they'll and then it, and then it's like on the but then they'll turn around and be like but the idea that the people who did that could be doing bad things now is insane and it's like i don't what is the cognitive dissonance you know I don't know. Yeah. No, totally. I, I think... Like, yeah. Like, the country was an apartheid state until 1965. Like, you know, liberals love to talk about that. And it's important to talk about that. But it's like... Uh, it's like they can believe that, but then it's also like they have this, like, unending trust in the government that I find so weird. And I don't think it's... I think that's new. Like, I don't feel like that was true even 15, 20 years ago, you know? For sure. Yeah, I mean, that's like, I, I I think about that a lot. Like, and even like my parents, right, who like lived through, my dad uh, still like remembers the Fred Hampton killing when it happened. And we'll talk about that. And, uh, you know, like Kent State, where the National Guard murdered some protesting students and stuff like that. Even popular music of the boomer era was like there's like black sabbath talking about generals being like satanic warlords or uh, warlocks and uh and raining death on the world and you have pink floyd talking about like you know we don't need no education we don't need no mind control 
and stuff like that that would never be in pop music now. But then all those people, the boomers who that was their like zeitgeist moment are now like, well, you know, I mean, we need to follow the science and whatever, you know, it's just so weird. Very, very weird. Yeah, pop music now like is like barely even like English, you know. <laughs> Honestly, it's really <laughs> it's, it's, it's like auto-tuned sounds, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly when I turn on the radio now for like it's just like yeah, I mean, I god, we sound so old, but like it just sounds like noise, like the same song with like some notes changed. It's not a good scene. No. No. <laughs> well, is there anything else y'all want to say or do you want to kind of wrap it up here? Well, I, I have some questions. While we've got yeah, or, my I mean, fitness I, I'm, fine to, I'm fine to stay. I just yeah. want to know where, where everyone's at. I'm just doing a check-in. Yeah, how are you fitness feelings? I'm, I'm good. I can go until my AirPods die. <laughs> so, Hell yeah, brother. I, yeah, I, don't know how long, I don't know how long they last, so but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, if you drop off, we'll know. Um, but so, yeah, I have some questions for you, actually, um, not related to the to the moon landing, but uh, while we've got you here. So Q and I actually talked this about this um, on our last episode. But what are your thoughts on this uh, Italian um, election with the the sort of right wing candidate who her party that just won the election? Yeah, I like a lot of things that she's saying. I mean, I, I, having said that, I don't know much about her and much about the situation. Uh, well, the kind of immediate political reality of Italy. I'm just not mm -hmm. sure. I, I am pretty skeptical. I'm pretty. Not, I usually my. I don't. I tend to default to not trusting politicians. And to believing mm -hmm. that that's kind of all BS, for, um, for lack of a better term. But I don't mean that to like counter signal her or anything. I think if she's sincere, I am, you know, what she's saying has my full support. Um, mm -hmm. I do think Italy is an interesting case because uh, this is really beyond the scope of this conversation, but that that's Italy might be one of the most have like one of the most corrupt and compromised governments, certainly in the Western world. So it's all very hard to, it's very hard to know what's going on there. Um, yeah. You know, well, like that's they, what we talked about too. Italy being kind of the first European lockdown country. Not an accident in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I know like either the, what is it? Uh, Mario Draghi is, it was the, or I guess the the prime minister, the outgoing prime minister, was formerly the head of the European Central Bank, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. Um. So and yeah, that I guess that was my thought too. Is like I, my concern is that it's some kind of basically like controlled opposition or something. But um, I would have to agree that at a minimum, it's better than having like another just like globalist complete shill in that position <laughs> yeah and i i know i have a few i know a few kind of it italians and i mean i do think there is absolutely a genuine right-wing backlash to what they've been experiencing particularly amongst younger people so i mm -hmm. think that the political energy and stuff is there and she is representing that 
you know, hopefully authentically. I mean, that, that's, that's mm-hmm. what, that's like my, I pray that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people are, res- she's getting a big response. Like people like what she's saying, obviously, but we were talking on the last episode about like, whether she's like a controlled, like op of some kind, you know, yeah. or if she's like this, this genuine, like champion of the, like the people or something. It is weird that like, someone who's basically talking about like not becoming like drones of capitalism is being labeled so hard, like just being like labeled a fascist and a right winger. Cause like some of what she says sounds very like left, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like not, not all of it, but some of it. And it's, inter- it's interesting that people are like, you know, don't like see that i guess i get that she's part of the right wing party i understand that but it is interesting. i don't know yeah no it, it is i mean there's been i am i don't think that the left was always as bad as it is today i do think that there's always been an element of that i think it can be hard to acknowledge because i think that there are like a lot of genuine like communists and socialists and left-wingers who really do want do oppose and do want to oppose like the financial powers and financial infrastructure i think a difficulty there is that in my opinion a lot of that stuff has always been for lack of a better world kind of controlled opposition or has kind of been um is not has not really been a way of opposing financialization but just like one style of managing it i know there's a guy uh, anthony sutton i think he's at at, or was at stanford but he did a lot of work addressing one that there was like huge kind of like a very significant connections between the u.s particularly like northeastern industrial powers like the rockefellers and the Bolsheviks and that there was a lot of, we were giving the Soviet union, um, huge amounts of technology and plans for how to structure factories. And even when it was impossible to travel between the two countries, like David Rockefeller did easily going from place to place. And Sutton's kind of alleges that a lot of what that movement really was, well, it was that it was kind of like, a more totalitarian state focused way of managing industrial like industrialization. And also because the it's economic system, like not having markets, really not having currency of any kind was so inefficient that the banking class for lack of a better word knew that those Soviet countries could serve almost as like colonies of the United States and the banking order where we would sell them basically a bunch of stuff that they needed and couldn't make enough of themselves like permanently while maintaining this facade essentially of conflict, you know, I mean, you have to consider, right. That like, we tend to think of the United States as being so oriented against communism, but we actually sided with the communists against the Germans in world war two. Right. I mean, the, it's like an issue I have with like left-wing parapolitical research is that that fact is never taken into account. It's like, oh, well, the secret Nazis are in control of everything. It's like, why did we destroy the Nazis and then spend the last 50 plus years 
you know, just vilifying them to like the hilt, right? right. Um, that that's never if we were if Nazis were in control of everything. It doesn't seem very consistent with what they would do. So I think there's, I think on the left, there's always been this mix of like genuine resistance to that type of thing, and then sort of like weird astroturfing as well. Right. Ooh. And it's a way to make people feel like they're doing something or standing up for something while like essentially just channeling that energy out a window or, you know, that's not yeah, like yeah, exactly. going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then anyone who's like actually threatening is just literally killed. Correct. Right. Like anyone who like actually has any real <clears throat> revolutionary potential is like just gone. And right. Or framed as an enemy of the state or, you know, a terrorist yeah. or a whatever. Yeah. Like, or me too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. Absolutely. Whatever the, whatever the thing of the moment is. Julian Assange know. or any of any number of people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they me too to Assange for sure. Mm-hmm. Shocked they haven't gotten Snowden yet. They'll figure it out. He'll be he'll be getting pissed on by Russian prostitutes. <laughs> They'll find a dossier on him. <laughs> Perks of being a leaker. He got Russian citizenship today. Did you guys see? Oh, happy for him! Congrats! I'm happy for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure what that means. He's been living there for years, but I guess I guess now he's officially a citizen of Russia. So. Because I think the U.S. actually re- like revoked actually revoked his citizenship. His citizenship. Yeah, or they revoked his passport for sure, so he like can't come back. I remember thinking like, can they do that? Like, even if you do something really bad, but I guess they can. I mean, why, why do they really <laughs> want? Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like it's literally it's literally paperwork. It's like, <laughs> of course, they can revoke someone's citizenship. That's that would obviously be possible, you know. Oh boy. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about is just, um, I have been just something I'm genuinely curious to hear your thoughts on myself is what's the future of the COVID op? How much more can they get out of this thing? Cause you've had, you've had very consistently, um, insightful predictions, uh, throughout the situation up till this point. So and I, and I can't figure out what's down the, the pipeline. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I think my best guess is that it's, it's run its course and we're going to be more or less holding steady with COVID from here on out. That there's going to be – my guess, I could be wrong about this. I suspect that there's going to be – we're going to be, it's going to be whittled down to a few institutions are going to continue to require vaccinations. They're going to continue to require masks, but you know, for the most part, I don't think they're going to be able to bring back full blown, you know, masking and lockdown and, and vaccine passports and stuff. I think in the near future, that, that would be my, it seems like that would provoke, they know that would provoke too intense of resistance. And so it's just not going to happen. In my opinion, the real legacy of the COVID op is that is that everyone agreed, right, by accepting the theoretical legitimacy of something like lockdowns or vaccine mandates, mask mandates, and so forth at the beginning. Everyone agreed that if a, if a virus is bad enough, 
those things were within the scope of, you know, the state to, to manage, right. In whatever ways they see fit. So I think, unfortunately, we're just kind of, I think we're, there is going to be another virus scare. Probably there's going to be virus, new virus stuff every single year now, right. That will be promoted by these institutions. And my guess would be when social energy reaches a certain point, it will turn into another kind of so-called pandemic dessert, which will then generate its own kind of insane mass response again at some point in the future. That's, that's my best guess, but it's really hard to know. Um, yeah. It's really well, hard so I have know. a couple of thoughts about this, like clarification. So like, yes, I get what you're saying about, they kind of introduced the concept of the lockdown and everyone was on board with it. And so it kind of set this precedent, but at the same time, they kind of showed their cards a bit, right? Like, do you think that people will fall for it this, to the same extent in a new situation? Yes. You think so? Because I'm, to me, it was like, yeah. it, it seemed every it was so new and weird and like you didn't know it was happening and it seemed scary. And so that was the context in which they, but now it's like, all right, we already seen this shit once. The lockdown didn't stop it. Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I, that there, there is a real sentiment like that. But I think the mm-hmm. issue is going to be they're just going to wait long enough. You know, mm-hmm. people will forget. They'll remember that it worked and, you know, whatever. And so it, it may be 20 years, maybe 30 years, 50 years. But the, 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 it's going – I just can't imagine that they're going to, like, drop this toolbox. I, they're not mm-hmm. going to. You know, it was just mm-hmm. – it was too effective. And – even if you if you look at the laws in places like Florida and Texas, just as an example, like all of these responses have been legally codified now. You know, before mm-hmm. they were going out on a limb, right? Now it's mm-hmm. all going to be legit. There's not going to be any way to challenge it. it it's just going to be a question of when when they can scare people enough to buy into X or Y or Z protocol. In my opinion, yeah. and it could be a very long time. It could be not that long. It just, I think mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on, you know, what kinds of other things are happening and, and such. Okay. And then, so my other kind of point was, um, was, I know, I think you've tweeted about this, I'm pretty sure, but there, there's this um, one line of thought um, that I've heard Fabio Vigi talk about, um, which is that basically COVID and the pandemic restrictions and measures were essentially like a way to put the economy and the financial system on life support. And that's what all the stimulus and all this was about. I mean, that's a whole conversation to to have um, separately. But But if you accept that framework, then like, it seems like we're sort of now heading into another sort of economic downturn or financial crash that was essentially just postponed for two and a half years by all the COVID stuff. So like what, what, how will they be able to handle it this time around? (laughs) Right. I mean, here's the deal. It's like, it's very, I don't like, I, I try not to like link my whole like online, like presence or, or brand too much to you know, predictions about the future because it's really hard to predict the future. Right. And, uh-huh. and, and, and like things can always change. So just bear that in mind. But I, 
No, uh, yeah, and I'm not whole. I just cure you. Right. You tend to have a a lot of even if you're not making a prediction, just an analysis of you know what might happen or interesting thoughts. So sure, that's I guess all I'm. I guess so. The way I, I mean, in my opinion, there's only two directions it can go. Really, I mean, I think one direction is going to be they sort of launder this new thing, this new um, financial crisis into some other so-called crisis, whether it's climate, war with China or Russia, that they're going to escalate some other thing, right? Which will, and they're going to try to somehow then use that to manage, basically manage the decline in a way where the current power structures remain in place. Uh-huh. So that could be this climate lockdowns idea or energy rationing or, you know, or the central bank digital currency. Exactly. Like essentially trying mm-hmm. to, I think there's a high likelihood that's what we're going to see that they're going to just take everyone down another level. Right. Mm-hmm. There is always though the possibility that the whole thing just implodes at some point. I don't think we're really that close to that yet. But I think that's the risk that we're in that we're in the we're at a point where like that is a risk, I think, that they're managing, essentially. Uh-huh. That there right. could just be a complete like there could be a, a, a serious like social breakdown in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well and it almost seems like that's what they're want to happen i don't know it's very yeah no i know i think there's a real chance that it's like a lot of what you're i mean people always say this stuff is crazy but Uh i think there's a i guess not there's not an inconsiderable chance that a lot of this stuff they knew the effect and the whole point of it is to sort of drive is to sort of try to create this new globe digital globalized control system where you know where in order to have that happen, you have to kind of do a kind of controlled demolition of the United States, right? In order to establish a truly global sort of quasi-multipolar, you know, political framework. Um, and so we may be witnessing that, you know, we may just be witnessing the kind of destruction of the unipolar, deliberate destruction of the uh American unipolar sort of like dominance in this kind of new paradigm where, you know, we're all going to be kind of like weird pseudo like serfs in this like digital, <laughs> terrible like digital system. Yeah. It's a wild ride. Um, I'd almost just prefer if they just like outright subjugated us instead of like doing all these like crazy ops that are making everyone go insane. Yeah, it would at least be more, it would be honest. I mean, if nothing yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly what they'd be scared of with just full subjugation. It's not like, I don't know. I guess it's easier to resist potentially. I don't know. There is a heavily armed populace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right um but you know the government has like nukes so i don't know mm-hmm. we'll see <laughs> we'll see <laughs> fun times fun times yeah. <laughs> all right well um i guess unless anyone else has any 
comments we can we can call it but um i feel like we could have we could do like 12 podcasts with my fitness feelings um so we're definitely going to need to have you back yeah that'd be great we'll definitely have we'll definitely have him back oh i mean i didn't ask your pronouns he him (laughs) uh yeah How, how did you know (laughs) okay i'm glad um all right i'll see y'all soon bye all right see ya see you guys thanks for having me